0: Everybody has trials and temptations. Everybody knows heartbreak, isolation.
1: Good morning. That's one of those songs that you um, you kind of anticipate at the end just when you think it's going to end that the drummer will just keep playing and they'll kick in and you're just singing over and over again. And it's always a good reminder to remind to remind ourselves of what a friend we do have in Jesus and the fact that he did come to be our Savior and separated us from the penalty and the power of of sin. Well, it is the day after Christmas If your heads are bowing a little low, we'll attribute that to the fact that you may or may not have had Christmas dessert for breakfast, or maybe you had a little too much Christmas dessert yesterday, or maybe you're just adjusting to the time difference. Um, It's a little different to be already in worship at 10 o'clock, and so if someone walks in about 10.30, um, 10.35, um, we'll just graciously welcome in. To the worship service, and the good news is they'll be able to celebrate um, the Lord's Supper with us at the conclusion. So it's good to have you this morning. It's great to see you. Um, this time between Christmas and New Year's is a is a time to recover, a time to reflect. We spend time with family and spend time with friends, and we also gather together in the name of the Lord. And so it's good to see you. Just um, I like to always point out that if um, you're visiting or if you're a member and have a question, just remember we have these little cards, a little tan card. Call the connect card and you can share information with us. You can ask questions or if you need to share a prayer request, just list that on the back and um, put that in the offering plate when we pass it around in a few moments. I just want to highlight a couple of things just so you know. The first of all, I just want us to take opportunity um, to celebrate that as of last Sunday, uh, we exceeded our goal for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Our goal was $4,500. We've collected to date $5,279.30. Um, it's still not too late to give. And just a reminder of the, the benefit of our gifts and the blessing that we have of God sending um, men and women to serve in parts of the world. If you notice there in the bulletin, it says every day 155,473 people enter into eternity with no hope. So we have the opportunity to reach the nations um, with the good news of the gospel through our giving to the Allotium and Christmas offering, through our prayers, and also through the practical things that we do each and every day as we are in and around our community. So thank you for your giving and for your love and support. Let me just remind you of two other things. First thing, um, the church office will be closed um, this next week. So um, if you have any emergencies, you can give me a call, and we'll do the best we can if you have something that can wait um, church office-wise. Um, the office will be back open again next Monday. And also in connection with that, there will not be any Wednesday activities this week, so no 11 o'clock Bible study and no prayer meeting or, or youth meeting this week. So take that time to rest, recover, and spend that with your families. Um, I'd like for us to read this morning from, the, from John chapter 13. Um, it's the words of Jesus, Jesus speaking to his disciples, and we'll read verse 31 through 35, and then we'll take opportunity um, to pray together. John writes, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Little children... We pause this morning to give you thanks for the truth that you are our Savior and that you are our Lord. And we count it a privilege to gather together in your name. And we ask that you would help us to, to focus ourselves on your presence, to enjoy fellowship with you while we sing and while we listen. Help us to focus our hearts on you and to direct our attention toward you. Lord, we expect you to move among us and we don't want to miss what you have for us. And Lord, we also pray for, for the folks that aren't here, whether they're celebrating with family, whether it's those families um, that are touched like um, with, with tragedy and sadness. We lift up the Beck family to you and ask for your, your comfort, for your assurance, just reminders of your presence. Pray for those that are sick or those that are dealing with loved ones that have been um, exposed or have COVID, those that are sick, for those that care for, for loved ones that are in poor health, for those that are in poor health. We thank you that you are a present help in time of trouble, that you're a comfort and that you bring assurance and hope. Or we thank you for the gift of giving, that we can respond to your generosity by giving back a portion of what you've blessed us with. And we thank you this morning that we can give an offering. We can give our tithes to you, trusting that you will use it for your kingdom work, right here in in Burleson, in our state, in our nation, and around the world. Lord, thank you that you've given us the privilege to give, and help us to give generously with glad hearts. Lord, help us through the remainder of the service to direct our attention toward you. Help us to see our Lord Jesus high and lifted up, and to focus toward him. We thank you, O Lord, and pray in that name of Jesus. Amen.
0: y'all stand and sing with us this morning.
2: For God so loved the world, that He gave His only Son, who so down. they
1: I want to invite you to join in turning to 2 John. Now if that sounds a little challenging, the easiest way I can tell you is to find Revelation at the back of your Bible. Turn back a few pages, you'll see a small book called Jude, you'll see 3 John, and then 2 John is preceding that. It's just one page in, in most Bibles, but it's filled with, with information and filled with words of truth, and blessing. You know, if you really get to thinking about it, a church family is one of the best things any person could have. Now, we all have a family. Moms, dads, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. But to have a church family is another thing. A place where you can come and experience love. You can feel accepted. You can have fellowship. You can get support. You can laugh together, cry together, serve together, celebrate together. Men and women, young people gathered together with a purpose. But what is it, is it exactly that holds a, a church family together? Well, first, I think it has to be something that, everyone has in common. Second, I think it needs to be something that doesn't change and can stand the test of time. And third, I think it has to be something that's strong enough to hold up through all the tests of life. You see, I think the reason that we can call ourselves a church family is only because we unite ourselves in the name of Jesus and we live our lives or strive to live our lives in his truth and in his love. And so this morning from the little book of Second John, I want to take a few minutes to talk about the family of God and how it is united in Christ and walks in truth and love. And hopefully in the time that we have this morning, we can explore what it looks like as a church family to, to live and walk in truth and love. Now, I'd like for us to read together just the first Six verses of this small book, and then we'll pray, and we'll look at a few things together. The book begins, The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us, from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father, Son, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love That We walk according to his commandments This is the commandment Just as you have heard from the beginning So that you Should walk in it Oh lord we thank you That we can gather today on a day like Today To sing songs of praise and to worship you To hear your word And we ask that through your word You would speak to our hearts Speak to our minds And that by your spirit You would help us to listen that the truth of your word would sink down into our lives and we could make it part of who we are and that we could step forward and put it into practice through obedience. Help us, Lord, this morning to listen to your voice as it speaks to us and help us to take this truth and put it into practice in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So as usual, there's an outline on the last page of your, your bulletin has three um, points with some blanks to fill in that may or may not be helpful as you follow along. But as you look there, you'll see the first thing that we need to understand as we talk about a family of God is that walking in truth unites the family of God. So walking in the truth is what brings us unity. You see, Second John is a letter written from someone who identifies himself as the elder to the elect lady and her children. Now, we need to try to understand who is writing the letter and who he's writing it to. Most people agree that the elder mentioned is John, who was a disciple of Jesus, the man who authored the Gospel of John, also wrote 1st and 3rd John, and also was the one who God spoke to and revealed the things that are written down in the book of Revelation. John known as the apostle that Jesus loved. And here he's referred to as the elder. Now that word elder can be a word of respect for an older person. It's also a title given to someone who pastors or oversees a church or group of churches. It's a term of respect, a term of endearment. And so we know that this man who identifies himself as the elder was likely well known. In fact, one commentator said that when John referred to himself as the elder, it was like saying, you know, the old man. Or like we would say, pastor or minister. And this... Elder John, this older man John, wrote a, church, wrote a letter to the elect lady. Now, some people think the elect lady could have been an actual Christian woman and her children, and it was a personal letter written to that lady. Most people and believe, and it's probably more likely, that the term elect lady is used to describe a local church, and the children were the members. Now, some things that help us to understand that are the the idea that when the word church is mentioned in the New Testament in Greek, it's always feminine. The church in Revelation is referred to as the bride of Christ. And it would be more likely for a church to have a reputation for living in the truth than for just a single family. So John greets this church and its members with grace, mercy, and and peace. Grace, reminding them of everything that God does for us because of who Jesus is, mercy, reminding us of God's patience and his faithful love. And the and the, the comfort in knowing that God brings peace to all that put their trust and faith in Jesus. Now, he identifies the source of all of these as God the Father and Jesus his Son. See, even from the very beginning, when the, the disciples wrote and taught, they understood that Jesus, who they had learned from and lived with, was the same as God the Father. They saw no distinction. So when jesus would say to the disciples I and the father are one that truth became known to them And so they see this source as God the father and jesus Now through the book of really first john Second john and third john you have some themes that kind of run through the books Truth and love in fact in the first in the four verses four of the six verses we read Today truth is mentioned five times Love is mentioned four times. We're reminded in the Bible that God is love. We're reminded that Jesus said, I am the truth. And wherever the church all enjoys true fellowship, truth and love are always present. And truth and love identify God's people. And it is part of what holds us together. So we need to understand truth and love are very important in these letters, but also there's a word that we need to consider, and that's the word walking. Now, when the Bible speaks about walking, most times it's more than using your legs to go from one place to another. It represents how we live our life day by day. And in the Christian life, how we walk needs to line up with the truth of God's word. And so you'll see walking mentioned several times. So what is it exactly that John and this church have in common that holds them together? You see the word, the truth. Now in the Bible, when you see the and truth together, when they appear one right after another, it most always reminds the reader of the truth that Jesus came in the flesh. We know that is the incarnation Jesus came to be Emmanuel, God with us. That Jesus died and rose again to bring redemption. That he ascended to heaven and that he's coming again. That is the truth. Some people also refer to it as the gospel. It's interesting when you, you look around society and you find you know, cult groups that call themselves Christian or other pseudo-Christian groups. At some point, they always seem to challenge who this person Jesus is. Some will say he's just a man and he's not God. Others would say he's just God who appeared in spirit and is not a man. Or they'll say the crucifixion and the the resurrection are just a myth, like all those other stories from history, and they're not truly fact. But the truth is that Jesus came to earth as a man. He lived a perfect life. He was crucified on the cross. He died for our sins. He was buried and rose again to bring new life to those that believe in Him. He ascended to heaven. He's seated at the Father's right hand. And, praise the Lord, He's coming again. And this truth about Jesus connects Christians. And that truth goes beyond language. It goes beyond culture that brothers and sisters can be united in this truth no matter where they came from or who they are in fact it's the main reason we're here today well some of you may be saying no i'm here because you know it's just what we do or i like the music but no the real reason is because we agree about the truth of who jesus is And I want you to look and see how John describes the impact of this truth, what this truth does. In verse 1, he says, Believers know it by experience. So it's more than just knowledge in your head, more than facts. It's actually applied knowledge. And in verse 2, he says, It abides in us. It's a wonder that when you put your faith in Jesus, that His presence by the Holy Spirit remains in your transformed heart every day it's not just jesus you know beside us some of the time It's jesus in us in verse two he reminds us that that truth is never going to stop being true it will be with us forever it's timeless and then verse four believers walk in it that a follower of jesus is transformed there's something different about our lives We're filled with a joy and excitement that's from God and not from us, and that we look at things from a different perspective, a biblical perspective. We can see the tough moments of life and know, because God's Word promises that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes. And that truth changes how we live, or
0: if you want to say it that way, how
1: we walk. And John rejoiced in knowing that some of the members of this church were walking in the truth. Now, what does it look like when you and I walk in the truth today here in, in Burleson? Well, you know, I think we see God's grace enabling us to receive God's blessings and to extend grace to other people. Because we need God's mercy. Mercy. And we receive it every day. And then we enjoy a peace that we can't really explain, but we're so glad that we do, and we can just give all the credit to Jesus and say it's His work. And it's God's gift to us. It's free because God is gracious, and we remind, we read, and we remind grace, mercy, and peace are found in Jesus. And when we Walk in the truth. We enjoy the benefit of that But he goes beyond that. We don't just walk in truth. We also walk in love And walking in love identifies the family of god So we're united in truth, but we're identified by our love Now do you remember when jesus taught that you could tell what a tree is by its fruit? You know fig trees grow figs apple trees grow apples Olive trees grow olives. Christians produce the fruit of the Spirit. So a church, or more specific, a church member, is known by the way they act. Grounded in the truth and committed to love others, there will be a walk that will be noticeable. Walking in love and walking in truth. Now, John reminds us, and we need to know that that command to love was from the beginning. We know that God is love. And when God gave the law, the commandments to Moses, he reminded them to love God with everything that you have, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And then also to love our neighbor as ourself. When Jesus was teaching, he told his disciples that these two were the first and second greatest commandments, and all the other commandments could be summed up in them. That the whole of the law was summed up in loving God and loving others. And do you know that love is the mark that identifies true Christians? Some people would say, no, it's the people that know all the facts and know the things about the Bible. No, it's the, it's the people that have been transformed by love and that extend love. And we'll see in a moment that that love also has to involve truth. But God put His love in us by the Holy Spirit, and that connects us together. So we call ourselves adopted children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. But then even more miraculously, God's love flows through us and enables us to love other people. That we have the ability to feel love and to feel loved. And there are way more times than I would like to admit that I would rather be unloving. Because people don't know how to drive They don't do things the way that I think they ought to. And things don't happen in the time frame that I think they should. And there's other times when I see people and I think they're unlovable. And you probably see them too. How could I love that person? What did they, Look what they did. Look how they act. But God's love in us, assuring us first that we are loved... Even when we're unlovable Gives us the ability to feel love In our own lives And to extend love to people Even when we would rather be unloving We can love Even when we see someone by our own mind's eye As unlovable We can extend love Not love from us But love from God It's amazing To think about that That God would give us that capacity Otherwise we would have a list of people that we like and people that we don't like. And we would live our lives according to that. But you see, love and truth are connected. You can't separate them from the other. There's some things in life you just have to have something to go with it. Unless you're finger painting in a children's class, if you're going to paint, you need a brush, whether you're an artist or a painter. If you have a lock, you need a key. If you're going to be an archer, you need both bow and arrow. And if you're going to have eggs, you have to have bacon. Um, it's, it's true. I can see it by your laughter that some of you probably are sausage folks. Um, but, but bacon is far superior um, and better for you. Oh, I don't know. That's not true. So don't... <laughs> it may not be better for you. Um, probably them. But the truth, back to the truth... You know, truth and love need each other as well. True love, the love the Bible talks about, is a self-giving kind of love. Love that always looks out for the best in others, doesn't seek our own. Love that doesn't depend on how other people respond. That's just the love the Bible talks about. Truth, on the other hand, is what's right from God's perspective. Things that line up with God's heart and God's word. Now, the greatest truth we looked at earlier is the truth, and that's that Jesus came and His work on the cross brought us salvation. And when we walk in truth, we place faith in God's word. We're saying to ourselves and to other people, we believe that what God says is true. And we seek to see things from that perspective. Now, we don't always do that perfectly because we're not perfect. But we understand that truth has to correspond with the reality that we live in. It has to move from theory, from ideas in our head to practice. And when we tell the truth, in a sense it could be as simple as just saying telling things like it is. But we'll see there's a caution between the two. Some people are all about love. Just love people. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt their feelings. God's love. He loves you. And if you carry that out to the extreme, you find folks that will say, because God's love, He saves everyone. And, you know, He understands. author tim keller writes it this way love without truth supports and affirms us but keeps us in denial about our flaws so if you have love with with no truth that supports and affirms false things that we believe and allows us to stay in a state that god never intends and so you have to have truth that balances love But you also have to have love that balances truth because other people are just hard-nosed truth-tellers. They know the truth, and they say, I'm going to tell them because they need to know. And you may find that followed up with something like, they may not like it, and if they don't, they can just get over it because it's the truth. Well, listen to what Tim Keller says about truth without love. He says it's harshness. It gives information but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. That's why the Bible tells us that we should speak the truth in love, that there needs to be a balance. And if we're going to walk through life, then we have to balance between truth and love. Now, we can't do that on our own, but there's a good thing we have. We have the Spirit to help us. Remember what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit? When he comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to be the truth corrector in our lives. That's why you know immediately there's a check in your spirit when you say something or you hear something and it just comes, that's not true. And you know because God is testifying in your heart by the Holy Spirit that it's not true. But also God puts his love in us by the Holy Spirit. That's why we feel compassion and mercy. For other people That's why when you say something harsh Immediately you feel like Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that And when truth and love Come together They express themselves in obedience The mixture of truth and love Leads to obedience It's it's how we put truth and love Into practice It's how we apply it to our daily life And so the third thing on your outline Is obedience is the measure of Love for God Now, in verses 4 through 6, there's another word you're going to see. It's mentioned four times. It's the word commandment. Why do we have commandments? Commandments are things that are expected to be obeyed. And so in one sense, love and obedience go together because you can't have one without the other. The Bible teaches us that when we truly love God, we will do what He says. What does that mean? That means we follow after Jesus because we want to, because we, we, we love him. Not because we are afraid of him, not because we feel like we have to or we're slaves. In fact, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And keeping commandments is obedience. It's walking in line with what Jesus commands. And we follow after Him. We walk. When we listen to His voice, we hear it by the Spirit or through His Word. And then we do what it says. We put it into practice. And so the natural product of love is obedience. We obey God because we want to, because we love Him. And when you see things from that perspective, the commands of Scripture become blessings and not Burdens, therefore our benefit, for our good. He wants us to enjoy all of life that we can enjoy in the restrictions that He has given us. Like a fence around the playground. Enjoy every bit of the fun inside the playground, but don't climb the fence. Because when you step out of the fence, there's danger. There's roads. There's things that can cause harm. And so though obedience gives us protection and freedom. It's not, it's not burdensome to obey the Lord. It's, it's freedom. But obedience is more than that. It's applying the truth of God's Word to your life. You can say you believe something to be true all you want. But until you actually put it into practice in your life, It's not obedience. If you love God, you will obey. And if you obey, love will follow. It seems kind of like a circle, that you obey because you love, and because you love, you obey. And it really is meant to be that way, because the two are inseparable. You can't have one without the other. obedience is a proof. John writes in 1 John and 2 John, it's a proof that we are indeed children of God, that we keep His commandments. And if we have true faith, we're going to love and obey. And throughout the centuries, obedience has been a basic teaching of the Christian church. Now in recent days, you know, there are some that 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 teach the abundance of God's grace and almost if not deliberately make excuses for obedience. But obedience is vital and important. Think about when you were in elementary school or if you're still in elementary school. One of the main parts of elementary school is to learn how to survive until lunch. Oh, I'm sorry, no. And make it to recess. No, that's not really the purpose. No, It's to learn to listen and follow instructions. Later in your school career, the benefits of learning those basic lessons come into play. That at a young age, if you learn to listen and follow instructions as you get into junior high and high school and into college and then even beyond that into the workforce, listening and following instructions is so important. It'll never do you wrong. If you are a person that listens and follows instructions, you'll be a good employee, be a good servant, be a good student. But the same thing is true in our walk with with Jesus, that we listen and we follow instructions. And as we're faithful in the little things of life, as we're obedient... God will lead us to opportunities to enjoy more joyful service to greater things. More opportunities to put truth and love into action and really to go on an adventure. But if you think about all the adventures that God led men and women on in the Bible, what did it start with? It started with obedience, didn't it? What did Abraham have to do? He had to obey God. He had to leave where he was from and go to another place. What did Gideon have to do when he was in that threshing floor? He had to obey and to listen to God. What did Ruth have to do? She had to obey and listen to God to enjoy the adventure of God's favor and the blessing of the kinsman redeemer Boaz, And what did our Lord Jesus do when he came and walked among men? He obeyed the Father perfectly, setting the example for us, but also dying for us that through his presence in our lives that we could live a life of obedience. Not because we are good enough, but because he is. Now, I probably don't have to tell you that 2020 and 2021 have been challenging for most people and for many churches in different ways. It's forced us to focus on things that are most important. In some ways, I think God's teaching us to depend less upon ourselves and more upon Him And it's motivated some people to get more serious about their faith and left other people wondering, is it really worth it? But I truly do believe that 2022 that starts in less than a week will be a time when God has great things in store for for His church, for this church. Now before Thanksgiving and before Christmas, you may not be able to remember that far back, so let me remind you, we talked about it, our twenty-fifth anniversary before and after, just about this idea of a vision of Christ's first homes all across our community, joining together to assist in God's work of rebuilding broken families, and how that would start one person at a time. That as you and I are connected to Jesus, that God would set us apart for his purpose and as we commit to love and obedience that one person in one home or one person in the neighborhood could have great influence for the kingdom. And how one home on one street in one neighborhood who said, we're going to serve the Lord. That as they depend on the Spirit's power and their guidance, that that one home on one street could have an incredible impact in their neighborhood. And it starts with a family Living in truth and love. But not just any family. It starts with the family of God. It starts with our church. United in Christ and walking in truth and love. So as we close out 2021, I want to give you just three questions to think about. First, am I united to Christ? Am I enjoying a relationship with Jesus? Or would I say I'm just a religious person? Am I walking in love and truth? A little deeper commitment question. And then am I being obedient? Because remember, walking in truth and love only begins when we step forward in obedience. I want to read you some lines from a hymn written by Carolyn Gillette as we close and pray. Teach us, O Lord, your way to live. Serving your world means sacrifice. Loving means we freely give. Sharing our goods, our skills, our lives. Make us a church that's bold and new. Dying to self to live for you. Will you join me as we pray? Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your peace that is present with us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are the giver of all good gifts and that your son Jesus is our Savior. And as we close out this year and look forward to the next year, and we think about a vision of seeing homes where Jesus is first all across our community, We know that that means our lives must be transformed and our hearts must be ready. And so, Lord, this morning, we ask you to remind us of the truth. Show us the blessing of your love and help us to honestly consider these questions. Am I united to Christ? Do I know Him? Am I walking in love and truth? And am I obedient? As we reflect on those, Lord, help us to see that It's not because we're good enough. It's not because we can do that of ourselves, but it's because you've given us your Holy Spirit to help us along the way. And so, Lord, as we reflect, Lord, we ask and we make it a prayer, as the hymn we read says, that you would make us a church that's bold and new, dying to self to live for you. We thank you, O Lord, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in the moments that we have, we're going to sing. I'm here here briefly, and it's a time to to reflect on those questions, to ask yourself, am am I truly united to Christ, or is that something I need to take care of today, to put my trust in Him, faith in Jesus? Am I being obedient to what God's telling me to do, or is there something that you know and you've been putting it off and you just need to step forward and do it? And could you say that you're walking in truth and love? And so I ask you, reflect on those as we sing also. We'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper in a few moments, and this will be a time that you could prepare your heart to ask the Lord to ready you to receive that as we fellowship together around the bread and the the juice. Or there may be a burden on your heart that you need to lift up before the throne, the altar here is open at the front on the steps. You can kneel where you are. If you need someone to pray with you, you can find someone next to you or you can come forward and I'd be happy to pray with you. But just invite you to join in standing and singing and trusting in the Lord as we listen and respond. the opportunity um, once again um, as a church family to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, have an opportunity to to share the cup and the bread, and just a reminder that as we share in those, we also share in Christ. We share this fellowship together because we are united in Christ, united together in heart and in, in spirit. Paul gave the church in Corinth directions about how the Lord's Supper should be be taken. And he reminds us in verse 23 that he received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Gentlemen, will you pass the Father, we're grateful for the giving of Your Son, Jesus. And we're thankful for His sacrifice. We're thankful that His body was broken for us. And that by His wounds we are healed. And we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. continues his instructions in verse 25 he says in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me father we are grateful for the shedding of blood of Jesus, the blood that brought us peace, the blood that cleanses, the blood that saves, the blood that protects. And we thank you for the great sacrifice that your body was broken and your blood was filled, Lord Jesus, so that we could have life. And we offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You may drink the cup. Jesus continued saying, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we celebrate in this moment of communion together not only the sacrifice of Jesus and his resurrection, but also the fact that he's coming again. I'd like to read something for you. Um, And before and after I read, we'll close in song. A reminder that when we do take the Lord's Supper together, we collect an offering that is for. Our benevolence, which goes to help those in need. We have come to the Lord's table. We have eaten the bread of heaven. God is the one who will transform us so that we can see with Jesus' eyes, hear with His ears, speak with His mouth, so that we can be the body of Christ in the world, proclaiming the good news of His kingdom. Lord Jesus. Amen. Will you join me in standing and as we sing, you're dismissed. Lord bless you. What a